You're listening to Comedy Central. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Please welcome Tanahasi Coates. Welcome. See, I gave you the black handshake. The black dude. You know what's so funny is you wrote about that. In the, I was reading the piece last night and I was like, oh man, I didn't even. It's just a moment in time where you go, Barack Obama straddles two lines. Yeah, yeah. You know, where he is, yes, president, but you cannot deny that your president was black. Right, right, right. And it's that small moment where you go like, do I, do I make it, do I not? Do right, I, right, right. So yeah, but uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, it's, a, it's been quite a journey for you. I remember the first time we spoke and you had exploded onto the scene, your book, a bestseller, everyone talking about you, and your life has changed since then. A little bit. Little bit? Just a little bit. A little bit. A lot of bit. It's odd too, because I've been writing for 20 years and for about 18 of those years, no one cared. Yeah. And then, like, a bunch of people were suddenly looking. So it's like, the, it's like the weirdest thing, you know what I mean? It's like if you do this, like, you just sing on corners, like, for, and that's just what you do. You just yeah. sing on corners, you just like singing on corners. And then one day, there are a lot of people looking at the corner. You know what I mean? And you can't quite figure out, like, why, why they're there. You feel like you've been doing the same thing the whole time. Well, I, I guess maybe it was a combination of you hitting your peak and maybe America reaching a place where your voice was something that, was, uh, that, is, that is needed. Um, what would you say is, is the, the best and worst part of having celebrity, though? Oh, man, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I, I have to give you an honest answer. Um, it's very challenging to be a college dropout trying to be a writer financially. Um, my life is a lot less financially challenging now. Yeah. I have to say that that's the best part. I just got to be honest about that. Well, I hope so. It would be weird uh, if you weren't honest about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just true. Um, probably the worst part is the amount of people looking at you. I mean, that, yeah. that, I, mean I, 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 you know, I was one of these people who probably a few years ago was like, I don't understand what's wrong with Kanye West. And I kind of understand a little bit now, you know what I mean? Like, I kind of, so I kind of got it. I'm not saying, you know, you should have gone to see Trump, but I kind of get it a little bit, you know what I mean? No, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, like, I think one of the pieces that resonated with me was where you talked about how people no longer see you as a human not being. They no, see no, no, you as an all. object. Not at all, not at all. Like, you, you really are, um, I, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, they'll talk to you, and, and this is, like, good and bad. Like, even yeah. when they're complimenting you. And it's like, it's going like right past you. Like they're talking to some 
image of you. And, you know, you have this whole thing where you can't figure out why people are being nice to you, whether they're being genuine or not. And even when they're being mean to you, you know, it's like, you, you know, you're not really being mean to me. You know what I mean? Like, it's like some other thing. It's, it's the idea of you. Yeah, the I idea think. of you, yeah. And that idea is exacerbated by, by the writing because people do look to your writing now. I, I know, and you know, I've heard you talk about it a bit, you know, even the last time we were here, how you, you sort of shun that. You go, hey, yeah, I write, yeah. and these are my opinions, and that's yeah. that. I'm not dictating, I'm, yeah. I'm not putting it in a place. But this article is really powerful. My mm -hmm. president was black. Mm -hmm. What does that title mean? Well, there was a moment uh, during the inauguration that you know, a, a lot of folks watch at the time, and I watch with you know, Young Jeezy and uh, Jay-Z are on stage, and they do My President is Black, and it was such a joyous, beautiful moment. And I wanted to conjure that but at the same time, um, make it a little bit elegiac, like this thing had actually ended. Yeah. And so it, it, it kind of, you know, just all sort of fit together. And, and this is a piece where you spent, it seems like you spent a lot of time with the president writing this piece. We did, we actually did spend quite, I was sort of surprised that he spent that much time with me actually, because, you know, the fact that um, I had been, you know, critical of him. Yes. You know, sp specifically about, you know, how he dealt with African-Americans in the past was a known thing. You know, well, obviously to him in the White House. Well, so. well, well let's, let's get into that, because yeah. you do talk about that in the article. You've always been critical of the president uh, with regards to how he addresses uh, black audiences right. versus how he addresses a white audience about right. African-Americans. Right. Like, what was your biggest criticism of that? Well, I, it were two things. I mean, I, I felt like the president, in one respect, you know, wanted to be, as he said, the president of all people, but in, in other respects, wanted to, you know, get you know, the sort of black past. So when it came to policy, when it came to talking about policy, it was always, I'm the president of all people. I can't do anything specific or special for black people. But then when it came to, you know, talking about, you know, what we, you know, now understand on what we call, you know, res respectability politics. Yeah. He was saying things to black folks that probably I would have less of a problem with if he were, if he were not the president of the United States and thus the bearer of the heritage and the, you know, legacy of why black folks are in a lot of these conditions in the first place. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Prudential knows that no community is a monolith, and we all have unique financial needs. With black community partners across the nation, Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long and are making a tangible impact. This includes their home city of Newark, where they're actively engaged in building stronger financial foundations. They are dedicated to offering equitable financial services that cater to diverse individual requirements while recognizing our shared goal of wealth building. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. 
It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Power the dreams of our communities today and future generations tomorrow. Learn more and build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com slash blueprints. When the time comes to plan your next big getaway, know we got a destination idea for you. Orlando. Just think about it. The thrills at their 15 world-class theme parks, followed by awesome outdoor adventures, amazing food festivals, and top-notch dining spots. Orlando has all that and much more than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. That's visitorlando.com for everything you need for an amazing getaway. Here's a question I have, though. If you are in that position, how do you straddle the line, you know, mm. between between saying to, because you are the president, right, right? You are, and you are talking to a black audience, right? Like, is it the difference between nobody hearing you say this to a black audience, right. or is it the fact that you are saying it to a black audience? I think it's the fact that you're you're the president now. Like, you just it's just a different sort of position. You're no longer Barack in the hood. You know what I mean? Like you. It's true, you're black. Like I, that sounds like a dope movie. Right, right. The Barack in the hood. Right? I'm just gonna throw it out there. Barack right. in the hood. Right, right. But you're not. That's not who you are anymore. I yeah. mean, you represent Andrew Johnson. You represent Andrew Jackson. You represent Woodrow Wilson. You have the heritage, you know, of of, of a country that, you know, for m- most of its history, in terms of its policy, has not been particularly friendly towards black folks. And so my feeling was, when you then, you know, address them, you know, in this sort of way, you know, why don't you pull up your pants? Why don't you work harder? Why don't you, you know, I just, um, man, boy, it, it just, just totally completely rubbed me the wrong way. You, well, know? you, were, you were in a unique situation where you could talk to the president yeah. about I don't that. Know how effective I was. But yeah, yeah, no, I was. I, I was, and um, it's the weirdest thing, you know what I mean? Because it's like you're not going to beat the president. Like you just, I, you just, yeah, just, just not, <laughs> you're not. But you still got to fight, right? So you still have to go in there and you got to, you know, because what he would do is he would summon you, you know what I mean? He would summon yes. these reporters, and like, he's very tricky, right? Because what he would do is, the first time I did it, he sat me right next to him, because there's assigned places where you have to sit, yeah. right? So everybody has to sit down, and then he comes in. So it's like, you know, say it to my face. Yes. You know what I mean? You was all bold when and you, you was can, writing. You can you know touch I mean? my face as well. You're right, right next to me. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. And then the second time, I was like right across from him, right? So it's like, you know, what you got to say now? You're going to say, you know, you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're all brave when you got your, you know, your little laptop over there. But, you know, <laughs> but, you know, here it is. You know what's funny? You know? I picture him saying this to you where he's right. like, uh, where's your laptop now? Yeah, uh, yeah. 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 Right, right. Uh, you're all brave right, when you right, got your right. laptop. Right. Say it to my face. Right, right, say it to my right, face. Right, right, That's right. funny. That's right, that idea. Right, but, yeah. right. but you, you got to say it. And, you know, so you always tell us the first time I felt like I went really, really soft. And I came home and I told my wife, I said, man, I, I, went, I went so soft. And when I was going down the second time, she said, listen. You go down there and you don't take no stuff, you don't play, you tell them exactly how you feel, son. Like she was like, you know what I mean? And then I went and I, I kind of overdid it. Like, it, was like, too, like, it was like, wait, it's still the president. So I don't want your water. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it was like that. So I could never quite get it calibrated. You know what you, I mean? You know, let's, let's talk about that, just, just genuinely, because this is the gist of this article. Yeah. It's you talking about Barack Obama trying to calibrate. It's mm-hmm. you as Tanahasi mm-hmm. Coach trying to ca- calibrate. That seems to be the recurring theme that you hear being talked about, especially when it comes to black discourse in America. Right. In South Africa, it's the same. I know it's, it's, it's a different history, right. but a shared history at the same time. Right. And it is always the conversation, how do you calibrate? How extreme should you be? Yeah. How much conversation should you have? What, what was the one thing you noticed being with the president for so long 
in terms of his calibration? Well, first of all, I... So this was like a, a different piece than like everything else I've written. Like, yeah. I felt like when it came time to write this piece, like, I've taken my shots. People know how I feel. Like, yeah. this is not, you know, like, I, I could not rehash the same argument I was having. This was, you know, I guess an attempt to really, really understand him. The first thing I, you know, immediately, you know, felt that I understood was that he was able to address white Americans in a way that I, I just think very few African-Americans could. And why, why is that? Because I think Barack Obama was born into a home, um, not just to a white woman and white grandparents, but a white woman and white grandparents who shockingly told him it was okay that he was black and that he should not be ashamed of it and that he should in fact be proud of it. Um, he, and I think also, I think in addition to that, you know, and he says this, part of the reason why that was possible is the sheer physical distance of being in Hawaii and not growing up against some of the grinding pressures of, you know, Jim Crow. And so I think he just, that, that's a very, very unique circumstance, you know, to, to, to grow up in. And I think it does kind of shape your approach um, in a good way, in the sense if you want to have the ambition to be president of the United States, but perhaps in a bad way when it comes to actually having to deal with the force and the pressures of American racism when you can't actually escape it anymore. But, but now this is, this is a paradox, and this is where I struggle, because one thing I love about you is that you are the eternal pessimist. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I sometimes feel like I'm too optimistic. Right, right, And right. when I read your stuff, I go like, yeah, maybe, you know what, Trevor, just come back to me. <laughs> I think the world will become better and the right. moral arc, and I'm like, right. we can do it, guys. We right. can. I really think like that. Wow. And your writing takes me the other way. Right, yeah, you, right. you know, I, yeah. I find that balance in between. But I go, when you talk about that, essentially what you're saying is Barack Obama in your opinion, mm -hmm. may not have ascended to the highest office in the land were he not someone who was able to see beyond what white people had done to black people in America? Yeah, I mean, I guess... Um, see beyond strikes me as a little, as a little, as a little bit much. Um, I think if he were more personally wounded, he was not traumatized by it. Do you understand, like, like when no, I grew up in, in I get West, what you're saying, yeah. When I grew up in West Baltimore, like, anything associated, like, and I'm talking about my childhood, yeah. associated with white people 99% of the time was something malevolent. Yes. Like, it was an explanatory force for something bad. And then in some cases, it was a direct, you know, explanatory, you know, force. You know, why do you live in the neighborhood you live in? Why are you worried, you know, in that neighborhood about your personal safety? Why is that neighborhood shaped the way? Why do the police deal with you? And that, that's not his experience. Why, why are the schools the way they are? Yeah. Who has the power? Who does not? That, that, that's not, you know, the sort of experience that he had. And so his approach was, was very, very different, I think. But now, this is, this is the problem I have with the pessimism, is I go, you're basically saying that you need all of those ingredients to ever have a black president again. Like, there was, there was one line where you wrote, where you, I mean, I'll paraphrase, but it was basically you saying, we watched uh, the president, and you were talking about the BET party, the last party that the, the president threw, and it was a black audience that had come together to celebrate. And, you, you, you know, the feeling was one of, of loss, but almost a future loss going, yeah. we will never see this again. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. genuinely believe that? I, I don't know. I, like, I, I, it's harder to predict because maybe there's another path that I, I'm not seeing. I didn't yes. see this. It's not like I could okay. have written this in advance, yeah. right? This is only my assessment of how he did it. Yes. You understand? Like, maybe there's some other path that I'm completely missing because I certainly didn't see this path at all. Um, that's how he did it, and I don't think many African Americans could have done it the same way. You know? It, it, it's strange. It's, it's, 
what, what I picked up in the article is it's almost like you're saying, strangely enough, white people can see the anger and then they fear that anger and so they respond differently to the person who's I mean, in front of them. It might not even be the anger. It's just like the, the, the fact of the matter. I mean, like, if I have to go into downstate Illinois, I, I don't know these people. Yeah. He literally relates to these people. Do you understand? Like, it's my grandparents, right? I hear here. what you're saying. And it's very, like, I, you know, the chances of me actually, you know, walking into, you know, the kind of places that he walked into. Well, I, you know, well I'm not gonna lie. I know, I know I have a similar thing. Like, sometimes people say to me, they go, why aren't you angrier at white people? Mm -hmm. Why aren't you angry about everything? And then I go, I cannot condemn all of them because I know love from some white we people. We don't want you to condemn all of them. No, but I mean, some people do, though. Some people want you to yeah. label it across the board. But I go, but when I see a white man, I see mm -hmm. my father. I go, like, there's a person who I know who loved me and a black woman right, and right, black right. people and my family. Do you get what I'm saying? Right. So sometimes it is, it, is, it is that relatability. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Prudential knows that no community is a monolith, and we all have unique financial needs. With black community partners across the nation, Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long and are making a tangible impact. This includes their home city of Newark, where they're actively engaged in building stronger financial foundations. They are dedicated to offering equitable financial services that cater to diverse individual requirements while recognizing our shared goal of wealth building. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Power the dreams of our communities today and future generations tomorrow. Learn more and build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com slash blueprints. When the time comes to plan your next big getaway, know we got a destination idea for you. Orlando. Just think about it. The thrills at their 15 world-class theme parks, followed by awesome outdoor adventures, amazing food festivals, and top-notch dining spots. Orlando has all that and much more than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. That's visitorlando.com for everything you need for an amazing getaway. Um, when, you, when you're going through the, the, the story of Barack Obama, one thing I found interesting was how it's sort of related to what you talk about in your book. Many people of color can relate to it, but it's like even as a president, it feels like Barack Obama had to be twice as good. Oh, he definitely did. I mean, it's just, it's just no question. I mean, it was all of this sort of reporting after, you know, the election that said, well, Barack Obama won these voters and Donald Trump won these voters. That proves that there's, there's no racism. No, 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 no. If I have to, you know, jump six feet <laughs> to get the same thing that you have to jump two feet for, that, that's how racism works. 
It's not global and complete, you can't do it. It's really about raising, you know, it just means that you gotta clear a higher standard. You know what I mean? And, you know, to be president, he had to be, you know, uh, <clears throat> scholarly, intelligent president of the Harvard you know, Law Review, the product of some of our you know, greatest educational institutions capable of talking to two different worlds, and Donald Trump had to be rich and white. That was it. That's, that's the difference. Well, that's not fair. Orange. But, <laughs> but I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But okay, let, let me challenge you on this, though. I agree with most right. of what you're saying. I right. genuinely do, and I grapple with this every single day. But then I go, if you look at Obama and you track his progress, mm -hmm. a lot of the things that Barack Obama ran on mm -hmm. are ideas and policies that Donald Trump has run on. Mm. And not, we're not talking about the major disgusting ideas that Donald Trump has, you know, the mm -hmm. deplorable ideas that right. he has, reprehensible, uh, you know, feelings. I'm talking more specifically around NAFTA, right. you know, trade policies. Right policies that affect those swing states that we know to be the white working class bastion. Right. Couldn't it be argued that Barack Obama and Donald Trump tapped into the same thing? You know, mm -hmm. that they, they both knew that if I go and talk to that factory worker and tell him I'm against those trade deals, that person will vote for me. Couldn't you argue that it's, it's that and not racism? Um, I don't think it's either or. I actually don't think it is, it's oh, either or. Um, I don't really have the data, but my understanding is Hillary Clinton didn't really campaign in Wisconsin. Yeah. You know, and I think that was a, a major, major mistake. He spent a lot of time, you know, investing, you know? I, I think he just, I mean, you can say what you want about how high the barrier is. He just thought he could clear it. You know what I mean? If he went and talked to folks, you know? Um, and that's a, a great achievement, but it's also a very, very, very difficult achievement. And I know I keep going back to this. Yeah. I think the because it has to be said. I think the very thing that made that possible when it came time to govern was the reason why he was so caught off guard and so surprised by the kind of reaction that he got, which I think- You mean from Congress, from, oh, yeah. you know, like the, the, oh, yeah. the obstruction? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, black folks, you know, who had come up, you know, differently, you know, not the way he came up in Hawaii, might have been somewhat shocked by Yula, but not really surprised. I mean, if you told us that, you know what, Congress isn't gonna work with him at all. Well, that accords with what we know <laughs> about yeah. his There's nothing about that, Derek. You know what I mean? Like, that's not really particularly surprising. But he, as a senator, had, had these great relationships. You know, in the Senate, when he was in the legislature in Illinois, he had, had these sorts of great relationships. But see, now you're president. You understand? You're the titular head of the country. You know what I mean? You are the highest executive in the country. It's a very, very, very different relationship. And the notion that a party that's been heavily racialized in a way that you know, uh, the Republican Party has been would freak out at the sight of that is not shocking to black folks at all. Let's talk about the racialized aspect before, before we move on. Mm -hmm. That has been one of the biggest themes that has been talked about. People saying, you know, if Hillary talked to white voters, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. Right. This is the product of making it all about race. Right. If y'all didn't keep bringing up race, right we wouldn't have needed to do this. Yeah, again, I just don't think it's either or. You know what I mean? I think it probably is true that she probably should have spent more time in some of those states talking to folks. I think that's, that's true, you know? I'm, I'm never against that, you know? Um, at the same time, I, you know, I don't think that means that you have to not talk about race at all. And given how the Democratic Party is, this isn't 20 years ago. I mean, if you're gonna be competitive in the Democratic Party, I mean, if you're gonna win South Carolina, you're gonna win Georgia, North Carolina, Texas, you gotta talk to black and brown people. 
So you don't even have the luxury anymore of, of, of getting around it. It's not, it's not a, a, a viable path through a Democratic primary anymore. And somebody, you know, if you're going to be you know, a, a viable candidate, you got to figure out how to balance those two things. And, you know, that's the one thing he did do. He did have that figured out, you know? In terms of balancing and figuring out. Oh, yeah, I mean, he could win in Iowa and then go win in South Carolina. I mean, these yeah. are two very, very, very different states, you know? Um, so that's, that, 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 you know, Hillary never quite figured that one out, you know? Uh, let's uh, switch gears and talk a little bit about the piece itself and Tallahassee Coates, because I'm genuinely fascinated by mm. this. I will read something like this. Mm-hmm. I process it in my mind. I try and, I, you know, I, I argue with you in my mind right. where I don't agree in terms of the pessimism and so on. Right. But for the most part, I, I, I'm with you. Right. And then I'm always intrigued, you know, by people who say, um, oh, Tanahasi Coates, why didn't you write about Barack Obama's foreign policy? And right. why didn't you write about Barack Obama's leniency on Wall Street? Why did you leave that out of the article? Right. Why was, that was glaringly obvious. Why didn't you write about that? Because I can't. I can't, and I think those people who have special specialties on Wall Street, and I think those people who have specialties on foreign policy probably can't write with the depth that I can, you know, about race. This is not, it's not like I, you know, got an idea one day to say, hey, I'm gonna write an article about, you know, the president's legacy on race. It's not like you can hand that to any reporter, and it's not because I'm particularly special. It's just that I've been thinking about this all my life, yeah. and I've been literally covering it for the past eight years. This is the culmination of a conversation of a series of questions that I've been asking for the past eight years. The piece is organic. You can't just, you know, say, hey, you know what, I'm gonna change my beat today and go take this approach. We published a piece, you know, a, a few months back on Barack Obama's foreign policy. It's not my expectation that, you know, the author of that piece is going to do what I do. I'm with you. you know what I mean? When I read, you know, Jane Mayer in the New Yorker on Extraordinary Rendition, it's not my expectation that she's going to be able to come over here and do, you know, what I do on race and, and somehow make those links. I mean, it'd be nice. It'd be awesome. I wish I could, you know, but it, it requires a depth of knowledge. It's not just, you know, posing questions to people is knowing what questions to pose is knowing, you know, what the context is. I mean, it's a very difficult thing. Listen, I can sit in a bar with you all day and, you know, go back and forth about, you know, drones, go back and forth with you about business. As a voter, as a private citizen, I can do that. But this is a very, very hard thing. It's a much, much higher standard to actually write about it with some depth and some intelligence. And that would be a horrible reason to be sitting in a bar. I mean, that's just a depressing <laughs> conversation. You're sitting there talking about drones and there's alcohol. <laughs> drones and alcohol don't mix. My type of party. My type you know of party, I mean? brother. Yo, I, I, I just want to say to you, um, I love your writing. I love what you talk about, uh, you know. It's, it's, it's interesting and strange to me how much pressure is bestowed on you by people. They go like, yeah. oh, the Baldwin of this generation, the this, and I go, no, you're, you're the Tallahassee Coates, and, uh, and we appreciate you. That's all Thank I you want. so much Thank for your you. time. Thanks so much, guys. Thank Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central, and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 